is going to be back there, the old winos. <laughs> oh, I think they bugged the, out the back people. to their own time. They came, dropped the virus, and left. They may have. Yeah. You uh, catch a game. Fucking... I catch a game or two. Yep. How you doing, Jared? I'm doing well. Yeah? I'm caffeinated as fuck right now, so I'm ready to go. Right behind you, dude. Like, got that yeah. little bit of a stomach ache, like when you just did a little bit of mushrooms, except it's from coffee. Oh, yes. Because <laughs> you know it's coming on. You yeah, know, it's coming but, up. But that's like, that's the pre, that's before your body uh, figures out that this isn't totally just poison. You yeah, yeah. I will be peeking here in a minute. <laughs> I think we kind of are with this album. What do you, you know, <laughs> we, we, we have talked about New Wave. We're going down this rabbit hole. Oh, how glorious it is. Glorious um, hole. And in, I'm going to say several podcasts past, We've dropped this band before. Yeah, it's almost a drinking game up there with the Jane's Addiction, right? The Joy Division. Yeah, I, I also almost rhyme. By the way, I also see some similarities in Jane's Addiction. <laughs> this will be a drinking. We had to bring them up a lot last week, but I'm glad we did last week because it, that it opened up a new avenue for me to understand Susie and the Banshees' place in the post-punk new wave ether that is happening in 78 79 80 where we're, we're at from what we've been talking about before recording it seems like it affected you a little bit more than you thought this oh season. yeah but I, i'm spinning that record so hard this week <laughs> so much because it's short you know yeah you can bust through it yeah it's great it's fantastic <laughs> and uh, i think a lot of credit i've been attributing to these guys i think i gotta break off more of a chunk than i thought for the banshees, you're in, you know you're increasing, you're, you're increasing some brain matter here. You put another crinkle in your brain. That's it. Learn something new today. I learned. You never have the full story. I mean, you specifically. <laughs> yeah. So here we are at Joy Division with their second album, Closer, Closer. One of those. Oh, I got you your know? potato, potato. Mm. And unfortunately, this is like the... Nelly uh, potato. <laughs> Nelly potato. <laughs> you say potato. Now, uh, oh, fuck, I don't even know what I'm talking about I now. totally stepped Nelly on you, fruit, Nelly potatoes. We I'm in my brain now. We were talking about Nelly potatoes, second band. Second <laughs> album by Nelly potato. This is week. Closer or Closer? Yes, that's right, because... They're spelled the it's same. their final album. And, and like Amy Winehouse uh, last month, this is also a final album. Do you, okay. There's oh parallels all over the joint here. Yeah. One, I just want to ask you, do you think if you were 14 or no, you were, you're, you're in a, you think at any kind of dark party where this was playing, you could <laughs> maybe get some points with someone by leaning in and saying, I love this album, Closer. And, and like, you know, like... Like, like you mean closer? Them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, so I was, I was testing you. <laughs> yeah. You're cool. You wanna yeah. hang you wanna make out? Um, but back to Nelly Furtado's second <laughs> second band. Um what, what was your segue? What'd you say? You pulled us out of there. It's their second album. So yeah. we gotta do it. Amy. Amy Winehouse, yeah. So this is a second album of an artist, group artist, a band. Um we're, we're uh, that's it. That's all you get. This is it. Yeah, it's all compilations and live albums after this. Yeah, people's opinions, which <laughs> I, I watched a bunch of. <laughs> People got opinions about these guys, and I will say right up front. So you know, you read the 
the synopsis before you downloaded this podcast. It's Joy Division. And if you're here for the hooks and the glorious pipes and vocals, jog on, mate. This isn't the spot. Uh, it's not about that. And it makes me sound it's so hypocritical because I, cause I don't like Lou Reed because he can't sing. Yeah. But here we are with Ian Curtis. But what that boils down to is I don't like Lou Reed's poetry. Which is fine. <laughs> Which is fine. I dig Ian Curtis's poetry. Yeah. Lyrics, poetry, blurred line. Fucking delivery. He's got he's got a unique delivery. And I think like uh Susie and the Banshees, I think Susie has this as well. Yes. It's something in the air over in Manchester. She's and- not possibly tone deaf though. No, and there's, I think, two members of this band, Joy Division, that are tone deaf. And what is this? Peter Hook, and it's uh, yeah. uh, fucking Ian Curtis. Ian Curtis. And Peter Hook is probably the most influential bass player. Him and Simon Gallup from The Cure are probably the two most influential bass players on myself as yeah. a bass player. And I picked the tone deaf guy. Sure. That's and all you, you can need hear to know about me. Sometimes. Like, this, this is, there's something neat about this band without those hooks. And this uh, going for hypnotic groove-ish, you know, something to build on, paste over. A little bit of dissonance goes a long way, Uh, and especially if you don't care about it. Or you don't, (laughs) you know, it's not like it's so distracting that that bass is out of tune for the whole show and it blew, it just sucked, you know. Mm -hmm. Or like sometimes how Bob Dylan, you know, in the later years been playing, it's just fucking out. And and you're like, okay, man. this, it's almost engineered in the members of this band to have um, to, to, to make enough space that slightly off tune makes a vibe. Though I will say they, from here to the first album, quantum leaps in musicianship from these guys. Yes, uh, in just one short year of gigging around and playing and, and recording, uh, they are better at their instruments and they're better i feel like songwriting i love that first album for its tenacity and its enthusiasm and they're just they're going for it and it's a good album too uh but this one is a little more refined the playing's just a little a notch up yeah um and this is uh joy division's a band that all basically learned how to play music together right so you know you got the stereotype of of uh three of them were in art school together or they were in a political charged college you know backgammon club together and then decided (laughs) to quit yeah it's not Um, the genesis story here yeah this is uh they basically you know peter hook and fucking um bernard bernard sumner bernie bernie went uh they go see sex pistols play yeah and come out with um well, we probably won't do that, but I like that that's happening. We got to <laughs> fucking be in a band. Yeah. And Peter goes and buys a bass. Yep. You know how much? 30p. 30p? Yeah, got a great deal. Fantastic deal. Or maybe the bag was 30p. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it is like, let's let's start a band. That, that moment is very well captured in the movie uh, 24 Hour Party People. Yeah. When everyone's at the, the I know that. Yeah. Okay. Everyone's at the Sex Pistols show and they superimpose everybody uh Forrest Gump style at the Yeah, yeah. The, not fun. Yeah, fun. <laughs> Thank you. That's a great way to describe it because it wasn't groundbreaking in special effects or anything. But uh if 
oh god there's there's just reams and reams of film and and writing on these guys there's a great documentary uh just called joy division uh there's the movie control uh, who's the Dutch photographer guy? On uh, on YouTube today, talk about taking the iconic shots of the snowy bridge. Mm-hmm. Fucking a, he go, goes a long way into into helping form the, this image of this band. That's why I gotta split like the credit for goth with between these guys and and the Banshees maybe because, but their goth was just a little gothier because they weren't they didn't have a getup. Yeah, it was a bunch of cold guys in winter coats on a bridge <laughs> yeah some blokes yeah manchester but, but straight it, up yeah straight up but it was heavy heavy like yeah. yes heavy emotionally heavy it's just, from it's some a, dudes yeah. for sure um i mean what do you want to talk about here the, the 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 emotion behind this you want to talk about um some of the iconography that's going there this, I, i'm a little bit uh-huh. overwhelmed by how this band came together and then in a very short period of time started playing out and like you said markedly got better yeah. and they basically kept the crew together for that run you know so we have uh as far as members of the band if you don't run know, them down yeah we got ian curtis we got peter hook we got Bernard Sumner and uh, Stephen Morris. Stephen Morris, Morris, we mentioned a bit last, uh, last week. The other Morris, you know, and same with uh, you know, th- there's crossover. Those su- they're aware of each other at this time too. Susie and the Banshees have been playing for a bit. Um, at the recording of this album, these guys have been playing for about two years or so, right? Yes. And uh, and they got Martin Hammett. Hannett. Martin Hammett's back, fucking back, dude. The genius, the mad genius, and he started. Um, with these guys when he was the sound man for a live show and it was one of their first successful live shows <laughs> and Martin cracked the code on how to fucking mix them how to make these guys sound good yeah because you had to make these guys sound good <laughs> and it turned out to be like bass heavy and it was a boon for him too because they were so green they'd yeah. do whatever he told them to right right so it's just clay it's fucking <laughs> wet clay fucking is that good for sculpting mm-hmm. i don't know yeah, yeah. i don't sculpt there's, with clay much there's another great scene from 24-hour party people that is apocryphal yet explains it all mm-hmm. is when they get Stephen morris up on the the roof they're they're recording the drum parts on the roof and then later you see him in the car listening to the the mix down and they drive past and Stephen morris is still up on the roof playing because <laughs> nobody told him to stop <laughs> i hear that that did not that's happen good. but that's pretty funny yeah well, let's uh, let's fucking crack this thing open, man. All Recorded right. in in nineteen what nineteen seventy nine, nineteen eighty. Comes yeah, out in nineteen eighty. Yeah, it comes out May eighteenth, nineteen eighty. Oh no, July. no, sorry, July. But do you, this, before we start this, do you know what did happen on May eighteenth, nineteen eighty? I don't. That's today. But Ian Curtis hung himself. No shit. On this day. That's kind of. You gonna tell me that right now I'm before gonna, we I, get started, and now I, I just have to sit with that. I think it's a fact that we all have to understand when we listen to Joy Division from this moment on. No doubt, this is we're gonna be all yuck yuck and stuff, but uh, shit. Yeah, like that's that's the difference between him and Lou Reed, right? Like Lou Reed always, I had a there's always just a whiff of bullshit on that guy. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah. oh come on, yeah. Um. Ian, I don't know. Yo, I believe him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I believe him. 
atrocity exhibition, which, you know, a little thesis uh, mission statement here at the beginning of what you're in for after you're like. Somebody run a roto hammer in the back. Shut that guy up. I'm liking the recording. There's evolution in the production too. Martin's figuring shit out. The drums sound pretty great. And they're playing together. Doing Bernie. The silence that doors open wide, where people that pay to see inside. For entertainment, they watch his body quiz. Behind his eyes, he says, I still exist. This is the way he stepped inside. Yeah, okay. This is the way. Yeah, you know what else came out in 1980? What's that? The Elephant Man. Oh yeah, yeah. The movie? Yeah. You, does he feel? Does it feel? You know the atrocity exhibition. He's, this is oh. the way. He step inside. You know they pay to watch his body twitch. I'm not saying it's about that. No. But I think maybe in this because it's, it's obviously about himself and you know watch his body twitch. The guy gets fits. He's literally uh, what do you call that? Yeah. Uh, spasmatic. Uh, spasmodic. <laughs> um, but there's a, a worst time to laugh. Sorry about that. <laughs> hey, you know I got a lot of respect epileptic. for everybody who's spasmodic. Epileptic was the word I was looking for. Yeah. So he feels like a freak. Sure. And his... Well, me, yeah, right. Well, after this, I'll tell you where the, what the book is. All right. those i love those little snare skips that come in for the chorus this is how you know it's the chorus yeah because the rest of the drum beat's just going and what what steven does so well and another steven steven perkins um <laughs> will keep that tribal shit going on for a bit and then just dance the snare at certain points it's, it's a lot more signifiers and this band the, the instrumentation of their jams and some of the songs came out of jams and some of the songs were written um before the recording of this, obviously, it's like saying any time <laughs> I take a photo of you, that's you younger. Yeah. Um, anyway, this is what the book is. It's a book called uh, Atrocity Exhibition, and it was written in nineteen or yeah, nineteen seventy, by Jonathan Cape, and it's basically a collection of uh, shorter stories that uh, were eventually put into kind of a book form and then a narrative. Some of the stories. Uh, were named um, Plans for the Assassination of Jacqueline Kennedy. Another one is Love and Napalm, <laughs> colon, Export USA. And right. another one is called Why I Want to Fuck Ronald Reagan. Whoa. From now, 1970. 1970. He was only a governor back then. Yeah, yeah right. It's sexy. The main character, the synopsis is basically the main character falls into a psychosis and doesn't know what's real anymore. Shit. So... I think you're kind of. I think you're hitting it. Too, Ian's man. state of mind is not great. On this, this is another one, like dirt. 
yeah. uh, the Allison Chains album, where he's really being honest, and it's, it feels a little bit voyeuristic how honest they're being about you know, be it drugs or mental illness. Yeah, and it's like, oof. Yeah, I mean, don't you want in your rock stars at least a little bit of a shield? between a little <laughs> bit of a layer between you and their real raw emotion it kind of makes you uncomfortable in a way when you're like god they're fucking feeling that shit and i appreciate it underst- yeah. yeah um with ian curtis the way he was uh performing on stage like oh, the that photographer you're talking about he said there's two people that he was i gotta look that up we can't just keep saying yeah that. yeah <laughs> uh klaus no nope. um <laughs> all right why are you picking on? Um, said there's two performers, lead frontmen, that he was a little bit scared of because they didn't. He wasn't quite sure what they would do, and right. one was Iggy Pop and the other was Ian Curtis. And he said Ian Curtis never did anything to him. Iggy Pop threw a chair at him, by the way. <laughs> um, but he said he would get in that that state, and he'd get that look on his face. Yeah. And you didn't know where he was going. It's you not like he was a he huge was guy either. Yeah. Like, uh, like your standard kind of scrawny British guy, but uh, Tall. fucking mad dog. Yeah. When he started getting the, the arms going and, the and, arms and, and uh, fucking stare, man. He's somewhere else. And uh, the other members, when he first started doing that, the other members did not know what was up. They were like, oh, so is that that's how he dances. That's iconic now, you know? For sure. But it's that, it's that, it's, it's real raw. And now, you know, it's just kind of a weak question to ask. Like, does it make the music more poignant because he did commit suicide? Um, You know, and you're like, holy fuck, yeah, he he meant what he was talking about. Um, But, you know, does that add more validity to it? Is it more of a Vincent Van Gogh kind of like, oh, his shit's better because he was <laughs> he was crazy, you know? Um, <sighs> yeah, that's not that a- question. All right. Yeah, not necessarily asking for an answer from it. Asking for a friend? I'm, I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> I was desperately trying to look up that guy's name in... Uh... Anton Corbin. Nice. Nice pull. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Google. It's my new God. I pray to him when I don't know things and I, I need something. I pray to Google. Oh, Electric Globe, please answer my query. Yes. Uh, he's I, after I Who converted. I was I was so uh, dreary. Jeeves was my God, but I converted. <laughs> I used to ask him things. Um, well, since we're covering how bad Ian's feeling, the, the it doesn't get much better or worse. I don't know how to put it, but, uh, <laughs> isolation is the next song. And here we're going to see that keyboard creep in. It's not quite happy. Yeah. 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 Do, uh, do you know what? Two months after, um, what two months after recording this is when he hung himself. Yeah, and then the record come out like two months after that. Yeah. Sad turn of events. Yeah. And Very the next young. one is... <laughs> dude, I mean, what, gonna, let's like redo that, dude. 23 or... <laughs> a little bit heavy. 23 idea. or 25. Young, like in the... in the Not in the back half of his 20s. Like, he wasn't even old enough to join the club, you know what I mean? No, and, and 
was way into fucking making music. Yeah. Like, was driven, and uh, and they did say that he would go away for a little bit. You know, he'd say he'd have to go think, and that might be a month, a couple months, or whatever. Um, but what this band didn't have is arguments about money and <laughs> right. arguments about who was going to be the rock star and you know whose room was bigger and and it's not necessarily because they didn't just get to that stage maybe right. that would be inevitable but they weren't they weren't burdened with um you know like culture club where there was you know two people dating in the band and and there was mm-hmm. a, are we still in a band is the band broken up i don't know yeah. are they broken up um these guys were as as a band from the time they started pretty fucking rock solid yeah and Working all behind it. folk yeah yeah i think uh ian curtis's uh, death took a lot of the members by surprise as well. Um, well, they were all so young. I just looked it up. He was 23 geez. when he died. That fucking 23. And and they were all, the rest of the band was all young. I don't think they, any of them will tell you they handled it particularly well before or after. Yeah. You know, as far as being sensitive to a guy with problems you don't understand because you're 22, 23 years old. Yeah, totally. How did we get here? Fuck, man. Start that second song. (laughs) Isolation, everybody. It's a slave to the groove band. Yeah, I keep, in all the reviews I kept reading, they would talk about how danceable this album is. Yeah. See you. Yeah. <laughs> you can dance to this. Much of this in a lot of uh, a lot of other bands. <laughs> I was just <laughs> I was just clocking that. Yeah, and even to the point of uh, the, the soundtrack t- <laughs> that isn't Bowie songs in Latin uh, to uh, Steve Zissou. Uh, <laughs> it's just the all of the uh, <laughs> in Latin. Just, you know, no, in Brazilian. Sorry, sorry, Portuguese, Portuguese. Uh, but in the Life Aquatic. Yeah, yeah. Any of the original music is all this is real keyboard similar you know very but it's it, i, I kind of see here it is a somewhat it's not cheery keyboard but it's a little more br- it's a little it's a little bit brighter than than trying to be like full in your face goth yeah it doesn't feel like they're subscribing to any type of music they want to play that that they're influenced by they are playing what they're these four are capable of playing yeah uh, yes right like they're 23 right they're just happy they could get this off. Yeah. You remember that? Totally. <laughs> and that's why it's a lot of groove music. And that, yeah, and that's why it's, that's part of its appeal is it's youthful. Yes. It's sad as fuck. Um, but young guys get sad. 
That's what yeah. we call uh, the depression, the uh, young man's disease. That, uh, you know, your early that 20s are just... for how many years? <laughs> it can go a while. <laughs> for 47 for, soon. For, yeah. Well, you know, it comes You'll get goes. a little taste of it. <laughs> Speaking of taste. But that's why it's so hard to escape your 20s sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, especially if you're fe- feeling isolated like that. I'm ashamed of the things I've been put through. I'm ashamed of the person I am. Yeah. That's, uh, that, every that, fucking time he sings that, it it gets me. I, and there's no way I could put that kind of raw sentiment together when I was 23 or <laughs> right. 22. He, he fucking had definitely that didn't there, say it out loud. Yeah, he definitely never left your brain. You didn't sing it to a crowd. No, <laughs> I sure as shit thought that. Yeah, <laughs> but that's what I'm talking about when he's he's speaking the truth, true, Chris. It really is. I know that. It's so funny you didn't think I know that. I'm just going to voice all of my fucking drops. Going, uh, you're going analog. Um, this one is a nice song about Easter. Or uh, oh, okay. as our as our uh, Hebrew brethren call it, Passover. Are you, are, is there a theme to this? Is, it, is, does, oh. is this album, because I didn't pick up on this at all, yeah. but um, other than the... The low-hanging fruit of depression, isolation, the name of the last song, whatever. It, 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 I don't think the whole album is just, look how sad I am. Um, he's well-read. These are, they're, not, they're not dumb people that are putting this together. No, you know, a little think, yeah. fucking some local They may be working class, but they're not uh, morons. Yeah, but they're not putting together a fucking... Gary Noonan. <laughs> Gary Noonan. Noonan. I just like say Noonan. Um, you know, concept album. This is, this yeah. Is, this is like song for song, it kind of feels it's like. Con- well, it's a concept if, if like death and depression is a concept. It has been in past <laughs> literature. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's well, no. It's not. It's not a cohesive like narrative going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but there's themes. Um, Passover now. Let me see. Let me pull up the lyrics on this guy. Nope. This album reached number six in the UK charts when it came out. Top of the pops. But they did not make it onto <laughs> top of the pops. They never went on top of the pops. I don't think so. I don't I think so. But any, you know what? They had. I didn't uh, see any call to top of the pops. <laughs> they had what's his name? They were on that uh, TV Granada. Yeah, they're they, on the Manchester version. And the, yep, and they did some. Uh, elect, what is it called? Tony Electric uh, something. Tony, uh, the record label head. Yeah, we have. What's their label? Their label was uh, Factory, Factory Records. Records. Yeah. Tony Wilson. That's this I knew I'd remember. Talked about much is his breath control. <laughs> True. And, and Bernard just doing the spooky guitars back there. Yeah. 
he was slightly unhappy with how his guitars were mixed more towards the back in the recording of this album. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, they all hated the, how the first album sounded. Like, they got that thing back, and they were just pissed. <laughs> they didn't understand the vision, you know? They yeah. thought they were going to come out sounding like the Stooges or some shit. Yeah. Instead, they got to be Joy Division right out the gate. But, I mean, listen to that. That's This is way better playing than the first album. They're playing to their sound on this album. They know how it's going to be recorded. It's just like muddy bass slides back there. You say for underwear. <laughs> I'm kind of sad that he didn't explore this a little more into the uh, New Order years. You know? Sure. He's Bernard, that is. Yeah. I'm talking about the guitars. Yeah, like he, otherwise he's on a really <laughs> shitty joke. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because he's on to something there, right? And oh, he just absolutely. wouldn't. He just wouldn't. He didn't ever explore that really any further after this. No, after it, Joy Division broke it, up, and maybe New Order, it was uh, is a reaction to getting better at their instruments and, and just wanting to sound different. Oh, uh, for sure, and uh, I get it. Yeah, and, and some other interviews I was listening to, they they kind of mentioned that that it, this was a shock, but all of a sudden Joy Division was done. It wasn't so much of well, we could find somebody else to whatever. It was like, well, that yeah, fucking no. that just ended. Yeah, um, that you know, <laughs> what if they roped Morrissey in? <laughs> Another Manchester guy, you know, yeah. could have happened. Let me give it a try. <laughs> I just, that's too, that would be too much. Um, and new, I'm, I like New Order. I think maybe I don't like them as much as I like Joy Division because the albums are kind of hit or miss. Yeah. Uh, okay. And spotty, brilliant singles. Like you get that the singles collection of New Order. It's yeah. Awesome. Great party music. You want to yeah. throw? You want to throw on some New Order songs? Order. <laughs> New Order some water songs. From Pittsburgh. You, you want to play them up Pitt, in Philadelphia? You're fucking Philly. You want to listen to some fucking New Order? Because New Order when you overdose. <laughs> hey, order out food. <laughs> get a cheesesteak. Drums sound years better. And they got a good hard pan on them, too. They're going left to right. Just, yeah. Really good treatment to the drums on this. A little bit of air to that snare. Gotta have air in the snare, baby. Beep, boop, boop. Yeah. The clock winds down and the children play, but they don't know that it's another day. Fucking, like I said, half of these are written. <laughs> Dude, you can't, I'm, again, it's in tough. Fuego. It's tough. This whole genre is, uh, except for Culture Club in a way, uh, I, I, Culture Club, I didn't feel like adding any lyrics, but I think <laughs> when someone sings in my register, yeah, um, yeah, you like the Gary Newman and the uh, yeah. yeah, you were quiet in the the Banshees episode. Yeah, I was I'm <laughs> holding myself back. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think we also find we were talking about this a little bit too that Susie is 
She is the bottom. Excuse me? Of this thing here that we got going. Um, no, it's tough to find anybody going you back said harder tap, than, You said taproots in the last episode, and that's a great analogy. Cause, but you also mentioned the uh, funky carrots that get like two or three uh, limbs off it. Yeah. And it really is sort of like a tie that everybody arrives at because, you know, in 77, it's the Pistols and the Clash and punk rock. Oh, the Sex Pistols. The thing, yeah. And here we are. Two and a half, three years later, or two years later, with the you know, they're put. The Banshees put out their first record. I mean, punk is barely. It was such a flash. Of, like yeah. people forget how quick that was. Real quick, from like seventy-seven God. to eighty, and then it picked up. You know, and became hardcore uh, in D.C. and California. Um, but as far as like that initial rush of punk rock, it was so fast. Yeah. And then it evolved so quickly into all these little things. But here you've got the Cure, you've got the Banshees, you got Joy Division, um, Gary Newman, yeah, all the guys we've been talking about. And it's no wonder why most of them have all been to the same shows. It, it was all the Sex Pistols. Shows. Sex Pistols. Blame the Sex Pistols. If you it's hate like... this genre, then all these people should have never gone to a Sex Pistols show because that's where they all decided to fucking. Really? Let's, well, let's do that this. It was like the Beatles ten years later. You know, it was the it was <laughs> Beatles. You, you either saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, and you formed a band. You know, when you hear like Tom Petty has that story. Like all the rockers of that age have that story. They saw the Beatles. Yes. On yeah, TV. Yes. Yeah. And they formed a band. If you were in Europe, God. you saw the Sex Pistols in 77 and you formed a band. You know, I, I, I'm going to push back a little bit on, on this Manchester being like a, a, a grisly place or whatever. Because it seems like if you were in Manchester from, I don't know, 65 to 80, maybe 82... It was like it's like a one in six chance you were going to be in a famous band, like you, like, <laughs> like you just decided to the, form a band, and next thing you know, you went to a couple shows, then you just started playing at yeah, the, the shows. The Buzzcocks, which these guys opened up for. The Buzzcocks are great. We should do their second album. I, you know, I know, I know, Dick about the Cox. <laughs> Buzzcocks are great. Um, punk band. They got a, they got a little uh, Joy Division got a little mad at the Buzzcocks because they were opening up for the Buzzcocks, and I think this is at the uh, the Electric Circus. Was that what you were tra- talking about earlier? Uh, or the fucking no. Would you said the the name of the venue that the guy ran? Oh, that was the factory, the Hacienda. Excuse me, the oh, Hacienda okay, yeah. is what they ended up like. That's why uh, New Order never made any money, is because it all went into the Hacienda. Right. That's why they didn't argue about money. Every <laughs> single one any. of them just says, like, we never argued about money. We never talked about money. Money and, was never a thing. And God bless them. It's true. Like, yeah. they really could give a shit less about the money. Yeah. It's just fucking wild, man. They're real, yeah. real core. But um, punk rock. these guys are playing at, what did I say, the Electric Circus? Yeah. And they were opening for the Buzzcocks. And they played at the Electric Circus a bit. And fucking bands would just come through. Just everybody. We're talking about Sex Pistols. Everybody's coming through mm-hmm. this fucking thing. Um, and they were going by Joy Division's first name, Stiff Kittens. Oh, right. So uh, they tell uh, the Buzzcocks right before Joy Division's going to go on or right before Buzzcocks are going to go off or something like that. 
Oi! We're not the stiff kittens anymore. Right? We're going as Warsaw. Oh, yeah. This, this is like... Uh... They had a few names. They also, here is like an uncomfortable thing about like punk rock and, and, and the post-punk thing. They they kind of had dalliances with uh, fascist imagery. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Susie caught the, sh- uh, she rightly caught a little stick for wearing the uh, swastika armband. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the cover of these guys' first EP was like a Hitler youth playing a drum. And it was just like, what would piss your parents off more? The, the more, yeah, than exactly. They just got done beating back the the killer mm. Nazis like twenty years prior. Yeah, right. It's all still fresh. Your city is still bombed to fuck. Right, right. What's the most offensive your thing brother, you can do? Your little brother <laughs> got caught under the rubble, and that's why he's got a limp today. That's and why you, your uncle's only five feet tall. It's rations. He got, he got rations. He couldn't eat. He had to. What we found on the street, so there was rat droppings, which go great in a pie. Little Substitute sp- for raisins. They just you could take a raisin, you could take a dropping, you could split. I'm not saying 100% dropping. Nobody makes 100% dropping pie, of course not. But I mean, mom did. Your grandfather, sure. <laughs> he was a Nazi. <laughs> there, there, I said it. <laughs> Anyway, it was it's just in the to, other room, so keep your mouth shut about it. It was just to get attention, even if it's negative attention. If you ever have children, you realize that sometimes negative attention, they'll go for it if that's all they can get. Yeah, and and I think that's a great fucking um, simile because this band's it's in the infancy; it's in its teen years. You know, mm-hmm. it kind of got over that little the the. Um, the propaganda-ish thing. Now we're going into here's the band. Here's this, you know these iconic photos um, that have a distance in you know right. in them. Snowy Bridge. Oh, how are you gonna lose? Yeah. Um, Peacoats. Get out of here. Come on. Nailing it. Yeah, buddy. Yes. So that was Passover. This is Colony. I fucking this is this is one of the standouts to me. It's very uh, the guitar oriented. But it's got some, like weirdness to it. Is there some keyboard? I can't remember. It's where you got him to bring him up in the mix a little bit. Yeah, Bernard is is up front and doing his thing on this one. So without any further ado, it's Colony. That's <laughs> almost fucking like metal, dude. Dude, you switch that beat up and that's a fucking metal riff. For sure. I love how the bass and the drums are locked together. Yes. Oh, they loved it when they started nailing this one in practice. <laughs> Let's play Colony again. When that one came, yeah, yeah. Let's fucking do that one a couple more times. When you're just on to something. Because what the bass and drums are doing in conjunction with the guitars and the vocals, which a lot of people refer to as music, if, I, if I'm <laughs> saying that right. But they're giving each other all these little tiny moments where there's nothing else playing when they hit that. Uh-huh. It's happening with the, the snare, little hi-hat, little tss, um, And then they lock in together for the rest of it. Right. They've always been very 
economical that way. Yeah. You know? Yeah, And right. you, you see them on the back half of this album especially. You see them sort of loosen the purse straps a little bit, though. Yeah, yeah. Like, this, this kind of arrangement could have been on the... On the first album. Hold on. That's kind of a Black Sabbath solo-ish a bit. Yeah, there. and a so little bit of riff. like a Kurt Cobain would pick that up and do solos like that. I mean, that was a oh, Kurt Cobain sure. solo for your ass. Um, Bernie, man, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. They're all feeling it right here. As as the yeah. band, they're in stride getting better together. Yeah. You hear it throughout this album. Because, again, half of these songs were written, uh, you know, while they were on the road. Um, and they never got to tour this album, album obviously. And so when I say on the road, you know, they're playing out. Yeah, Europe. They never even made it to the States. Like, yeah. he hung himself days before that was supposed to happen and everyone was really excited they were going to the states and that's if that don't snap you out of it you're in a deep well you know yeah that's that's where our boy's at at this point in time writing lyrics like this Strongest, uh, like Patty Smith vibes off of that just then, yeah. I'm trying to think, uh, she obviously is before this. Um, wow, didn't I, that that till just now just felt that <laughs> live, yeah. That's a churning. there's a rock song yeah and it's without them trying to necessarily make a new form of pop again just backing into what they do best you know um they've got the momentum right now when in in the recording of this album just everybody is able to have a little bit of space um and push it a little bit but they all since the whole band formed together and got better together and they got they relied on making this groove it's, it's it, they were able to fucking develop it further this yeah. is like they didn't this band this uh, sorry this second album didn't take a right hand turn necessarily Mm-mm. it's just doubled down but it's like the kind of the, the honing yeah the honing <laughs> i'm getting off on the honing <laughs> me so honing Jeez. Yeah, they're honing it that was Colony, and that was uh, pro. You know, that could have, yeah. That was their little metal song for the album. That was the riff. Yeah. That is the riff yeah. of the album. There's other little licks here and there, but that was the riff for yeah. the album. Yes. 
And now I want to play the last song on this side. Oh Means to an end. Oh, you know what I was going to bring up? There were the, the really guitar-oriented songs on this album are are the oldest. The, all the songs really? where you catch a little bit of keyboard were written for okay. the album. If it's really guitar-heavy, you can almost bet that it's almost as old as like the first album. Like, yeah, the oldest, yeah. like that song we just heard, Colony. They're older than, uh, you, you know, like Isolation. Anytime you hear keyboards, you know that was like, written f- later yeah sure in studio yeah when they when they've got the when they've or got a little bit of time too yeah yeah, yeah. It, 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 add a new toy to it so there's new device there's your little fun tip yeah, you nice want to know one. when they were written it's a little bit of the cipher yeah it's just a little key code to the cipher of this also i checked to see where danny elfman is at this time <laughs> oh did you and he's still taking over <laughs> his last band and turning it into oingo boingo. the royal knights of the oingo boingo yes yeah good for you <laughs> the drums sound different yet on this song. like there's several different drum sounds on this album yeah there's your classic Bernard right there. That's like first off Bernie. Just coming in chirping. Now with the drum sound, it does feel like they played with the room a bit from track to track. Yeah. is going that we're figuring this shit out this time travel wise seeing these guys <laughs> live right around here listen we get to that if it's got to be a festival so be it but we're ca- we're catching I, i'll do some we'll do some internet research a on time travel but yeah, yeah. but most importantly and b Just if we can around. find that bill of like the cure the banshees uh, Joy Division. If we can time travel and have a window of like a week, we you know, can catch and then, them all. And we, yeah, we see who's playing where, and there's probably there's probably a solid fucking Wednesday night, right? <laughs> and Susie is playing, and yeah. then like two nights later, these guys open up for the Buzzcocks. Well, we can knock out the Cure and the Banshees with one stone because they toured together that year. Right, right. Right, right. we just go to 79 and and have a week. Fuck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a week. So, their approach, what happens between the first album and this album and what's happening live when they're playing, getting ready to record this album is uh, they got really intentional about this sound. It's the it's the double down on their like right. the sound they hated on the first album, but then once they realized everybody else loved it, I think it's a little easier to uh, buy into what Martin's selling. Sure. Plus, it just it's evolved even past that. And he ain't wrong. He, no. He's not wrong. He fucked around and invented some shit. Yeah, and so um, they they did, they fucking just put a whole mess of effort into. And intention, and this is kind of what you feel on this groove with this song. Mm-hmm. Almost 
angry, slightly bitter, but in a real way, hopeful uh, intention on the attack of the drums, the, the confidence of the bass, the guitar dancing around it, and Ian's delivery. Yeah. There was a, uh, was a third show when they were uh, when they got galvanized. Their third live show, um, and, and it was basically that Buzzcocks show. When maybe it was the third show at this venue at the Electric Banana, the Electric Circus, <laughs> I was talking about. But it said it pissed it pissed them off, all four of them off mm-hmm. so much that they didn't announce them as Warsaw. That they went on stage and blew it up. Because they were pissed. Because they were pissed. That's, They're stomping yeah. on the drums. They're fucking... Awesome. Just everybody is on the same page. And they seemed like from the get-go of the formation of the band, they were on the same page. Maybe it's what sells the groove because there's no... Nobody's trying to flash the groove. They're trying to play yeah. inside each other's nooks and crannies everybody's of the groove. serving the groove. Without, you know, without stepping Slaves forward. to the groove. Yeah, it's wild, man. <laughs> Uh, that does bring us to the halfway point, though. Oh shit, dude! Look at that. We're this not done with just, this album. This one, no. It's Holy just flying cow. by, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Slave to the groove, my friend. Slave to the groove. Smoke weed every day. Another question I have is impact question <laughs> mark. Um, no well, argument, no, no, band. You said, no uh, money, no fame. You said you started talking about bands that like uh, that, that would just blatantly rip it off, like right around two thousand three to five, early two thousands when he had Interpol. Yes, uh, the other guys is uh, she wants revenge, right? Uh, and many others well boy didn't the soundscape change as far as recorded sound and ability to slave right. to the groove kind of music but uh um you know the hi-fi was way better at this time I mean, it's, it kind of seems <laughs> yeah i don't know i, I like some interpol songs <laughs> well, i do too yeah. I, I totally do but it, i i saw what they were doing yeah, it wasn't... And it was time. It was an idea whose time had come. Thank it's you. It's time to rip off Joy Division again and be way more famous and rich than they ever were. Yeah, it's why it's like your, your pop-pop said. You won't be the first right. first guy through the door. Jared Britt, you ain't, you ain't never told a lie. No. You're fucking... You're all <laughs> over this one, dude. You're saving me on this, man. Uh, because I'm going to wax on a little bit about what we mentioned before some top movies at this Do time it. 1980 blue lagoon remember? oh shit that child porn movie don't talk about the blue lagoon no. stir crazy <laughs> i watched stir crazy no less than three times when i was in singapore really let me tell you about fucking stir crazy do it it holds up <laughs> it is such a good movie that's when they go to jail that's when they go to jail yeah. we're talking uh, they get mens rea <laughs> it's Gene Roddenberry and Richard Parker, um, Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder. <laughs> Dude, they get framed. They go right. to jail. They break out during the rodeo. It that fucking movie's hysterical, and for some reason, <laughs> it was playing on a loop for like three days. No, no, like for like a week over in Singapore. 
Really? I'm just on the local Singapore station. Yeah. It's like huh? th- three times, four times a day and night, it would stir crazy, would come up in their programming. And I, so I'd catch like the beginning. I'd be like, oh shit, before I go to work, I got the beginning of stir crazy. <laughs> come back, and then all of a sudden, it's like you might catch the whole thing, right. or you might catch, you know, the last third, and then you could piece it together, or you just know it's going to come back around. So you'd be like, fuck, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait. Gonna I'm going to catch Stir Crazy. When's Stir Crazy on next? Yeah. It's like watching a Christmas story at Christmas when they play it for a 24-hour loop. Exactly. You get in and you get out Fucking several times. Yeah. Yeah. It's like double dutch. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, Friday the 13th came out. Oh, man. Fucking creepy. It was his mom. Um, Gods Must Be Crazy. Yeah. Fucking, that was a phenomenon. Uh, coal Miner's Daughter. Okay, wait a minute. That was Sissy Spacek, huh? I think so. Yeah, you were afraid of her. Yeah. Oh, that's right. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Yeah. Well, nineteen eighty was bad for that. That was when, like I told you earlier, when the Elephant Man came out, and that was the bane of my four-year-old existence. That's right. You had Sissy Spacek. I had the Elephant Man. And you, I, I got. Rem- I, I. Dude, good call. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. I think you got. I think I you relate. Got, yeah. Yeah. Thank, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Cannibal Holocaust came out. Never saw that. Oh, that's the one that like they had investigations into because it was so nasty and gory that people didn't believe that it wasn't real. Is that like the Italian director? Like it was. It was one of those like in Italy. They, they yeah, Italian like Portuguese like somewhere it. like warm Europe. He was from warm Europe. Yeah, yeah. I like, got away with like like actually. Like cutting a homeless man's arm off. I don't that one? think so. Okay, I don't think so. All right. Well, I still got to check it out. I still never seen Coal Miner's Daughter, and I hear that she, she loses an arm in that one. Yeah. She, well. Yeah. The Octagon. Chuck Norris. One of the best Chuck Norris movies ever. Never seen it. It's basically a levels video game, but it's awesome. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> his brother's the big boss. Step brother. Oh. Uh, American John Griff- C. Riley. John C. Riley. <laughs> Chuck Norris and John C. Riley. Step brother shows up at the end. No, the drummer from fucking Red Hot. Um, American Graffiti. Okay. What's George Lucas done around this time? Is that George Lucas? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. So he just, he's coming off of Star Wars. Does American Graffiti. Yeah. Put Han Solo in a muscle car instead. It's fucking good shit. Xanadu comes out. What? That had Olivia Newton-John, I think. That was some weird shit. Like... Strange Times, 1980. Yeah, she did the theme Weird. song, too. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, she did. Yeah. The Roller Rink Classic right there. Yeah. Oh, dude. They, they, those are coming back. Speaking of which, so is the Empire. Is it Empire Strikes Back Striking Back. No, wait, this is 1980. But for some reason, that showed up. It's 81, though, isn't it? I don't know. It's around this time. Close enough. Yeah, maybe it is. Jeez, man. That's the true tragedy is Ian Curtis did not live to see The Empire Strikes Back. They didn't live to tour this album. No. But then they Damn. went on to have, like, Rock. then they released Level Terrace Apart. And it's, you know, yeah. a hit. Yeah. Like, their first legit hit song. That's got to that's gotta feel kind of bogus. When did they write that? Oh, you know, before right around this time, it was like a single... For you know, it was a single around this time, right, and they never put the singles on, on the album. Right? Exactly. 
So it's from this this part of their career. Was that just a separately recorded uh, single, made to just be a single, and they put a, maybe a little bit of extra production juice to it, a little bit of extra production money to it to push it? I don't know. I wonder... There's I, several... Mi- there's a couple different sessions, yeah. and you can get them on some of the... A lot of the streaming services now have like the special edition box set things, and you can, yeah, they're pretty is. easy to find. And there's uh, at least two or three different sessions for that song, and maybe six or seven different mixes of that song. So it, it, you can, you okay. can spend a few hours just yeah. listening to one song <laughs> if you're a weirdo. Keep That's the one we're talking about, right? In love will never perish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, boom, 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 yeah, NXS covered it later. Is that yeah. the one that? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me tell you, though, what was selling records on this particular week. Okay. When uh, in July, what you said, uh, 18th. God, that's that's still crazy. Though. That's it, the day. It's, it's, it's bugging me of, out a little it's bit. It's bugging me out a little bit, Jared. Jared it's it like threw that- me. I'm gonna blame it for throwing me off a little bit. See, this it, it kind of got heavy right off the beginning. And you, remember when we talked about Robin Williams, uh, like years ago? He came. I think we trashed the episode or something like that. Yeah, to- maybe totally when just David Bowie ruined his episode. Bowie. The ghost of Bowie showed up and fucked with us. Yes, yes. Listen, it gets metaphysical out here. It, it does a little bit. I'm not, you know, and I'm just saying, Ian Curtis. Just let us live, man. Just, Just let us do a podcast, okay? <laughs> Don't We're get in the wires. I told you your poetry was good. <laughs> Number 10 is Jackson Brown, the boringest guy yeah, his like ever. Not so, uh, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Never got Jackson Brown. I guess he wrote songs for other people, but he didn't keep the good ones for himself, yeah. apparently, I, which is fine. You got you to gotta eat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, but I, no, I, you know, I don't wish any harm there, Jackson. Hold Out was the album by Jackson Brown. Number nine, a soundtrack album, Urban Cowboy. Okay. This I, is a... I don't know who's on that. Er, well, who was in Urban Cowboy? That's a... Uh, that's uh What's his name? Uh, was that Voight? Nope. It's... Uh, Hoffman? Vinnie Barbarino. Uh, uh, that's Travolta? Travolta. Yeah, it's Travolta. Remember, it was kind of like... Uh, and and not was it Sissy? No, it wasn't Sissy Spacek again. Uh, no, it was. Oh no, it wasn't part. Sissy. It was. Uh, oh, the curly haired gal. Anyway, um, Bernadette yeah. Peters. <laughs> no, Lily Tomlin. Uh, but it was curly very, haired girl. Uh, okay. Yeah, dude, I'm never gonna think of it right, right now yeah, in, in this cool. state. You know, but what I'm Urban saying? Cowboy. Urban Cowboy. I've seen it. I wanted. To, that's why I Deborah wanted to Winger. say it was maybe. I wanted to say her character's name was Sissy. That's why I call her Sissy okay. Spacex. Yeah, but sure. I think you're right. I think you just nailed it. Yeah. Maybe not, though. Yeah. Because who knows? Yeah. Shit is crazy right now. Dude. Number okay. eight. Can I just I drop mean, a classic? A drugstore, cowboy. There was a midnight cowboy. Like cow- oh, I, I, cowboys I, it were confusing, is just what I'm saying. So, you know, it's, you it's, know? I understand why we don't know. Why weird cowboy times back around these times. I know. Here's some here's some real cowboys. The Rolling Stones in 1980 still uh, charting Emotional Rescue. Ooh, 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 yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. 
this is full on disco stones. Right. This is when they were throwing it now back at us, and we were like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't always work. You're batting, you, nobody be bats a thousand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nobody bats a thousand. Okay. It's quite a ping pong match we have going. Um, yeah, to explain like the whole anti disco thing in America at this point in time. And like, yeah, that's a whole story, man. Somebody should do a podcast about that. About that, yes. Okay. And then like the racial uh, undertones of it all. Oh my and, gosh! And the homophobic. Oh, I'm okay. Eight part series it, it, coming it, on another okay. channel that we're gonna do about uh, disco we, sucks. Can we do it as a radio play? No. All right. <laughs> then can I produce it at least? Yes. Number. I said number eight, Emotional Rescue. Number seven, Commodores. Okay. Yeah. The album okay. Heroes. Uh, Commodores, it's got a big 10 on the cover. I don't know if that means it's their 10th album or they're just like X's. Yeah. It's a Roman Roman numeral 10. Commodores, give me a break. Jermaine Jackson, this is... Come on. Okay. Jermaine Excuse is charting. This yeah. is... Wow. Off the Wall had just come out like... A little bit ago, so in 79, I think that's another 79 album. I think Off the Wall was 79. Crazy what's in the water right now. Wow. Wow. Jermaine's like, remember me? Uh, Pete Townsend going solo at number five. What do you put out there? Empty Glass. Hmm. Was that kind of like hot boys? I wouldn't remember that. I I don't know a no. lot of Pete Townsend solo stuff unless I'm going to find out that I know more than I think. Nobody. But yeah, I, I kind of no. don't think that's the case. Nobody really does. Another soundtrack on the on the charts, number four. You you brought this up. Empire Strikes Back soundtrack charted. Okay, charted. Oh, charted. Who charted? Damn, it's holding <laughs> strong at number four. It's a strong soundtrack. I guess the Empire I don't, Strikes I don't Back think soundtrack. About it enough. The power when the empire comes. Oh, the Kenny Loggins song that he did for that. Empire gonna come my way. I forgot. Coming through your galaxy today, Luke Skywalker, where you going now? Bam, whap! You don't have a hand anyhow. You know that. that yeah, yeah Michael McDonald wrote that one. I, wrote, I do remember now. So silly you got no play. hand now. <laughs> oh, and somebody else is going solo. Somebody else is going solo and dropping records. Paul McCartney. Oh, okay. McCartney 2. Not his second album. Strangely yeah. enough, yeah, yeah, he's got McCartney, McCartney two, and then I think he just dropped McCartney three like a year ago. <laughs> Honest to God, he's spacing it out. I don't McCartney know what's special the about the self taught Yeah, <laughs> God Emperor McCartney giving us love. Eric Clapton, number two. Eric Clapton at the time was making headlines for the wrong reason by spouting some kind of ignorant bullshit. Yeah. Have you checked Twitter lately this week? No. He's at it again. Really? <laughs> Him and Van Morrison are uh, of the they're same. In dialogue? Yeah, yeah. They're like, uh, uh, fuck this uh, pandemic bullshit. Uh, really? This mask tyranny. Woo! It's a whole. Man. They made. They think that way. They made records that way. They've been about making such records? things. They got. Uh, I don't even want to. Just don't really? even look it up. Just, just. Okay. Yeah, you kidding? You like 
this is this is such a slingshot from Joy Division as far as this these, these top tens. Yeah, and yeah. then now you and then on top of that, you you throw out that Eric Clapton and Van Morrison are about pandemic and stuff. Sit down, Grandpa. You're drunk. That's what you need to say to these guys right now. Oh my gosh, dude! The only other time I was this shocked, quite honestly, <laughs> and this strikes me because because uh, right before we were walking into the Seahawks game, and you said. <laughs> you know what I'm gonna say? Salma Hayek. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. What's number one, dude? Number one. Oh, see, this will make you feel good. We're gonna bring it all right back around here. Just like Salma Hayek. That story made your, me feel good. Your guy, Billy Joel, with glass houses. Oh, Long strong. Island royalty, right there. The force is strong with Joel. Very much. Very much so at this time too. I mean, he's ride. He's like peak. Yeah. Joel right here. Joel, at this time, yeah, yeah. He's realizing, I could probably do this forever. I'm about to, you know what? <laughs> at some point, I'm going to really fuck Liberty over. and uh, But I, he won't know it's coming. And, uh, you know, he, I, I think... <laughs> he either learned a little from Van Halen, Van Halen, a little, little from Joel, but to really just dice one of your members out as far as getting the cut... Oh, see, I don't know about all this uh, stuff. Billy, Billy Joel's good. Liberty is, you know, is his drummer. Okay. But uh, he, he, mm-hmm. he, he, got the, it's he got the, the Billy, old Michael it's Anthony. It's the Billy Joel show. Yeah. It's well, the Billy you know, Joel show. That's the name on the ticket. <laughs> this, uh, let's start back up on this. Oh, wait a minute. No, you got a little bit of uh, You know, maybe real quick, I'll tell you. Real world events that we'd be looking at. In 1980, maybe you got your first your, uh, Rubik's Cube. Maybe oh, that was waiting for wow. you under the tree. Um, it was developed 10 years prior, uh, like in Hungary or something like that. Uh, but um, <laughs> it got over to the States in the 80s. Boom. Post-it notes. You got that oh, in shit. your stocking. That's a stocking gift. They I would have thought they were older than that, too. That's funny. Dude, they were like magic. We oh, were there the for the birth of the post-it note. God dang it. They're still good today. So where were you when... Joy Division is coming out with this in 1980. I am nowhere near this universe. No. I'm I'm a little bit in in uh, Joel, but even Joel was kind of beyond me at this point. Sure. 1980. Yeah, no. It's fucking six years old right Four. now. Four. And and Ian Curtis is cleanly expressing these thoughts. The members of the band heard what he's singing. They weren't. It was like I had no idea what he was singing about. They were listening, but they didn't hear. Yeah, you know, tough one because I mean you're 22 as well, and you got no education to deal with any kind of some you know mental illness or someone struggling, mm-hmm. fucking with whatever. Obviously, just 22 is so fucking Lord of the Flies at that point. Absolutely, yeah. and in Manchester, <laughs> homosensitivity. Um, it's like the Boston of England, isn't it? <laughs> I feel yeah, that or they, Birmingham. You get like into, those rough industrial cities that just got oh, bombed to fuck during World War II. You get into an argument with me, I'll kick you down the old apples and pass. So they don't fuck around. Stairs. Yeah. All right. So Lennon gets shot. Remember mm. that? That's right. And John Wayne Gacy goes to jail. For shooting John Lennon? Yep. Wow. He was his last victim. <laughs> A lot of people don't know that. That was another three-name guy that what yeah. was his... Oh, Mark David Chapman. Yep. Mary Chapin Carpenter. Michael J. Fox. <laughs> All assassins. <laughs> the media tells me. I believe that. 
I feel like that's the same year that Reagan got shot at, or maybe it was '81. But uh, Reagan got—that's uh, when uh, the Jim Brady took literally took a bullet for the guy. Yeah. Um, that was the. I feel that's one of the first. That's an early Dude. memory for me, like okay. seeing that on TV, seeing the president yeah. getting shot at. And shot that up fall They're getting out <laughs> of this <laughs> crazy old looking limo now like when you watch it back yeah, you dude. see like the presidential limo you're like what does that thing got curb feelers what is that? <laughs> shit is old dude yeah <laughs> it's not high performance it's, it's just, just a regular there. town car like, we'll get out of here at about 30 miles an hour sir <laughs> <laughs> lead plates behind everything it's like low riding i think we should have a bigger engine <laughs> Bill, can you step on it? I think I got shot the fuck up. I could walk faster. <laughs> Dude, that sucks. I, I, I don't want to get shot. Uh-uh. That was another three-name guy. Who, who, who The guy that shot at uh, Ronald Reagan. Yeah. You had Mark David Chapman and then... Anthony Michael Hall. Anthony Michael Hall shot Ronald Reagan. That's right. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. The, the guy, John Hinckley? Uh, John David Hinckley. John David Hinckley. <laughs> Jingleheimer Schmidt. His name was my name. Too. I mean, I'm sure he had a middle name. Well, he did it for Jody Foster. You know that, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Jody, Jody Foster. Henry Foster? Mm-hmm. Yes, Jody he did. Henry Foster, because she's like uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. She's yes. got that extra chromosome. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back into the music before uh, something bad happens. Heart and Soul. That kind of gives you an idea before you listen to this song. Heart and soul. Your heart and soul. Oh. Uh, uh, this is the Huey, Huey, right? He's got a broken heart and an even more broken soul. Keyboard bass. Yeah. Dude, that's smooth. Double check this, but I feel like it's Bernard doing the keyboards too. Yeah, you look at the, the liner notes and you see that a lot of these guys are playing on a lot of different tracks. Even depending, Ian Curtis yeah. is playing guitar on some of this stuff. Yeah. Let's see, it just turns into a quintessential Joy Division song when that little one line, one note at a time guitar line. And I step on the post, that just makes it a classic. One of the all-time best posts ever during this podcast, and I didn't point it out. But you listen for it. Great. Edit. Money. For real. <laughs> like it, was, it was a thing. It's a perfect made. 10. Yeah, it's perfect. A little different vocal approach here, too, on the recording. So start the second side with maybe let's explore some vocal fuckery. Let's try it out. We take a lot of these sounds for granted now, actually. Yeah. And if you realize that in 1980, it was a 
little bit more fresh than we get credit for. For sure, not easy to pull off in a clean manner, to even handle all the frequency that they're playing. And now you got Joy Division, who's a little more silky sound, a little more bass heavy. Like, they're exploring that low end where a lot of transistors and fucking what you're playing on can't handle it. And now they're mixing and, you know, speakers are getting a little bit better. People are investing in maybe some stock market, little hi-fi system, little powder up your nose, baby. That's what's coming. Oh, shit. This sounds good on a good system. Yes. We'll play this here for Meryl. Right for Abacadabra by Steve Miller. That, that song is recorded very well. on the storm right in here <laughs> no weather sounds on this song but uh the skies aren't blue that is probably what is going to pass for the best fill on this whole album what he just did there yeah the little machine gun because it was clean it yeah. was a clean machine gun he gets sloppy and he <laughs> his fills especially live which is something that i can totally appreciate um, and feel like I've been copying this guy in some sort of way without even noticing or knowing <laughs> the influence until I started listening to Joy Division. That's the point. Joy Division makes us all feel better. Yeah. About our musicianship. <laughs> <laughs> like it's the intention. It's yes. the intention. It's not necessarily, you know, uh, what your education is. It's, it's how much do you want to make that sound. Yeah. And that goes a long way. And then when you have four members who are building upon each other with that and that intention, a little bit of time in the studio, you start getting to layer like this. Mm -hmm. I mean, and Lightyear jump, well, not immediately, but after Ian had died and they, they become New Order, and the first thing they release is Blue Monday, the biggest selling single in England ever at the time. Yeah crazy with bernard kind of doing a bit of an ian curtis impression what what band has that happened to where the lead singer for whatever reason is no longer with them and they just kind of recombobulate and go forward oh shit right around this time uh genesis is is facing this a whole different scene yeah a prog rock scene but uh all of a yeah, sudden, they Peter found Gabriel. themselves. Peter Gabriel's out. Phil Collins is in. He was already in, but now he's he's yeah. up front. Yeah. Who replaced the dude? Was he was still singing when he was playing drums for a bit, right? Or yeah. was he just doing backup stuff for Peter Gabriel when he was when that in that formation? Um, I'm. Sh I like, think live he, he would sing backups, and but yeah, he and did he a front fresh drummer? Drums? Yeah, he would front from the drums. And they had a guy that would play when he'd come out and like sing studio or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just a sick, sick drummer. Yeah. That doesn't get his due because of all the corny shit. Right. Well, because he came on the radar sh fucking shortly after this, right? Right around this time. Oh, yeah. Like, we're uh, right why we're talking about it. him. But uh, as in, in my eyes, as a uh, singer, 
you know, and then you do, you had to backlog Phil Collins' drum career. And then you see him wearing like sweatbands in the 70s, and yes. you're just like, dude, that guy's With a, a beard. monster. <laughs> that beard. guy was a fucking monster. From the guy who brought you. Come on. I mean, how many classes, classics does he have to lay at your feet before right. you just recognize the godhood that is Phil Collins? Yeah. Dude, that's what we're going to do next on Fair Warning. We're going to do Phil Collins' whole career. You, me, and Augie. Let's do it. All right. I like. I don't need my arm twisted on that. That is Phil Collins is some shit I can get behind all day, every yeah. day. Me, excuse me. Yeah, exactly. You're getting broken up. Uh, <laughs> I get emotional when I'm talking about Like, maybe um, I'm not, like, the biggest fan of, like, the, the Tim Rice stuff he did for the Disney movies. But even then, yeah, you gotta work. that shit's not, it's it, it's not embarrassing. No. It's not like, what the? No. What the fuck is this shit? Yeah. <laughs> what, the fuck is... what kind of shit is this, man? Hold up. Wait a second. Yeah, no. You know, and if, if the worst thing you ever did was groovy kind of love. You're not wrong. Yeah, come on. Let's, let's <laughs> you you're singing from the heart, Phil. Let's stop. Okay, we're keeping Dudley Moore, yeah, John Ritter alive. John Ritter. Okay, listen, I know that, that he's still with us, but... Yeah. Phil Collins. Phil Collins. We, you know what? Here's the thing. Phil Collins is still with us. Phil Collins can't really play drums. He's... No, he's kind of crippled in that manner. Crippled wrists because he... And back. And back. My neck and my back. My neck and... <laughs> can't do shit. I don't know why he's Michael Michael Douglas. <laughs> Can't even really stand up for that long. Uh, like 40 minutes at a stretch, he can stand. So he's yeah. got a chair, which, you know. He's turning into Professor X. Yeah. But I know why. And this Genesis. is. Genesex. You know, this is not TMZ here, but you know, he's going through a fucking shitty divorce right now. Is so, he? yes. Oh, man. Again. It's tough to love Phil Collins. He apparently. Or is it tough for him to love you? I don't know, but that's a song he's working on. He's got a, he's got a tour with a chair now because you know you're shitting me. Well, I mean, oh. the timing is oh. suspect. They're on the road next year. They're like they were like one of the first bands that announced like, hey, it's on. Like no you want to go to a, after yeah. COVID? You want to go to a concert? And I'm kind of thinking like I want to go, Chris. I'll go. Oh, let's go see Genesis go before see it's Professor too late. Collins. <laughs> before it's too late, <laughs> let's see Xavier Professor, Collins Professor one Phil. last time. I think we have to. Yeah, dude. I think we owe it to ourselves it, for surviving the pandemic that we get to see Genesis because they all survived the pandemic. Are you are you shitting me? I wouldn't shit you because it's some kind of like anniversary like and 40 I, years or some I shit. I thought that fucking Selma was in the realm. She just got pushed to the side as far as you being able to keep surprising me <laughs> and fucking uh, I'm telling you, listen back. I can't wait to listen back to this and hear all this fucking gold, man. How are you? Dropping, <laughs> you're seriously dropping bombs. You don't even know it. Um, I'm down. That's such a surprise. That's one of the best sentences I've fucking had to contabulate. Let's get let's get a posse and let's go see. Let's go see Phil Collins and Genesis. Genesis, man. Oh man, yeah. Because you know he'll be forced to at least play a couple. A couple. They're gonna shoot him over with a little bit of fucking K a cortisone. Yeah, a little stem that. cells, a little bit of uh, Elkhorn extract or just, whatever the football players are using. Come on, Phil, just one more time for the for the blokes out there. So get you going for the show. Let's do it. 
Come on, it's time to go. Mary Poppins, you got a bad hip, and we shoot her up real good before she hangs out with the children. Boring. This song's not boring. I like the back. These last three songs, it looks like it almost gets better and better and more far out into areas they haven't been before. Uh, specifically with keyboards and just grooves in general that maybe they haven't touched on before. We've I've called a couple of these like classic. Yeah. Uh, we're we're transcending that here on the back end. Do you think uh, part of that dynamic is because by the time the rec- they get to this part of the recording, they've probably already recorded all the stuff they wrote prior. <laughs> right. And That's why there's not a big vault on these guys. But you know, uh. Okay, to be fair, like some of them ended up as New Order songs. Sure. You know. But sure. But these these are are probably being developed. The fresh stuff, you know, in uh, off recording sessions getting polished up and then now we're at the end of the album. We're going to put these at the end of the album. It's a little <laughs> bit of a little bit of a, you know. Did we call this a couple episodes ago like the, those uh those like 1:15 a.m. sketches on Saturday Night Live? Like towards the back end of the oh, album, yeah, yeah, it's like exactly. it's like you put the weird sketches on right after the second musical right, exactly. act. Exactly, yeah. Nice, dude. This is where we're at and in the sometimes record. Sometimes there's some crazy good gems in that back <laughs> in that back third. Absolutely. If you're a band like uh, our boys Joy Division, you can pull it off. Let's play twenty four hours. Have a chop beginning. Yes. It's crazy. Little effects on the bass, a little bit. Sea sickness to it. Or ain't just making yeah. chugga chugga noises. It's confident. I want it's echoing in the right. Yeah. It's like you get you get the attack on the left. Alright. What? I'm not mad at that. Them pull back on the range like this yet. That's fucking nice. That's uh, that's a pro move. Yeah. That's that's some guys have been playing longer than six months, like their first album, or however long they were playing before they did that record. They're figuring shit out, dynamics, and you know, I don't think that's all up to Martin Hannon. I think they're literally just getting better yeah exactly they're increasing their vocabulary yeah. they got a few they develop a few more tools and i'm coming to reckon here listen to this i always say how peter hook has been such an influence on me playing bass i'm starting to kind of reckon with the fact of how much bernard summers probably influenced my guitar playing you know, I, this song I is i'm right. hearing myself coming back at me like a mirror in, in certain ways just laying down the screech kind of you know in the background 
that That's the, my it, move. It's your move, dude, and it's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it, you know, it's a little spackle to the sound. It, otherwise, it's just too dry and moody, and then otherwise, it couldn't pull off this shit. He's another one of that uh, the Rushmore of rhythm players. Would like okay. Stone Gossard and, and John Lennon. Yeah, you know? okay. It's a, it's a good it's a good uh, Mount Rushmore. How many to be on. we get ten we get ten people on that Rushmore? I think so. Yeah, we wrap yeah. around the other hill. We're not yeah. just no stopping at four. Dude, I, I did it on the whole Cascades, dude. It's huge. I want to make a whole mountain of faces just looking out into space and shit. They did, I did that on Mars one time. I'd be shoegazing so hard at this point if I saw these guys live. There's that Doors influence, though, too. Yeah. This is also the... Yeah. Mother, yes, son. I want to... And yeah, don't... Yeah, and also... Run, run. Yeah, yeah. You know, that fucking chant vibe. It's, uh... You could Indian dance to this. You could Native American... This is the this. kind of groove. <laughs> this is the kind of groove we were finding on the Banshees record too last week. Uh, this this is a vibe that the Banshees were doing as well, and yeah, concurrently this was the thing. This was the sound. I don't like that flat phased bass or whatever he's got on that. It's nice. It keeps it from being too dry. I mean, that bass tone is going to become a signature throughout this time and for about... And uh, would carry into the next band. Like, uh, his bass is pretty signature in New Order as well. Yeah, it's like this slippery attack to it. Sometimes it's the only hook in the fucking song. Right, and the conversation... um, Pun intended. ...was (laughs) nicely done. (laughs) I know that. Um, Is... he plays the bass like a, a lead guitarist kind of deal. Um, he, yes, very unschooled and un, un, uh, unencumbered by education, let's say. Right, and also <laughs> by technology because he's talking about um, bass amps back then, and he didn't get a great bass when he first started playing. He didn't go get a, something super choice. <laughs> and uh, and then he's got a shitty amp, basically, um, most people are playing through shitty amps. It can't handle the it can't handle the low end that the instrument's mm-hmm. capable of if it ev- was even a decent instrument. Sure. So what comes through cleaner is Play a little bit up, up you know, Play step up it up. Play step it up a little bit, and that was an Ian Curtis um, advice to him. Basically, he encouraged him when he was doing it one time. He's like, "That shit when you go up the neck, that's that's the shit. That's the shit." Yeah. And it allows Ian Curtis to go below that too, which right. we're not really hearing a ton of, um, you know, around this time. That's a kind of an Ian Curtis signature is when the bass starts going up and he, he just stays down. on this I'm low. Gonna, I'm gonna very uneducatedly say he's baritone. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sounds like that would be that right. dovetails with an alto. I'd yes. say maybe that a little bit, you know. Um, and Ian Curtis had a huge amount in the orchestration 
and the arrangements of these songs because he needed the confidence to sing over top of it and to lose mm-hmm. himself into it. At no time can he really get, you know, like you break the, the fourth wall, if you will, or you play some clams and stuff, it's going to hold him back. Um, and so his contributions to the arrangements were getting them to find those grooves and and to find themselves in those grooves because they were only capable and they even talk about this in interviews when they would find it it was exciting like yeah. we're listening to a band <laughs> get excited about what they're starting to be capable of playing Getting high on their own supply yeah like any 23 year old in that situation is doing fuck yeah and it's with the the progression of this album, it just gets even a little more interesting as it goes on. It's yeah. a nice one. It's kind of like a microcosm of, of of start to fi- you know not start to finish, but you know like a of the, a skill set getting better, watching people get better. You would not get hung Listen. in Town Square for saying that this was like the quintessential post punk album, like with one foot in there's like four feet yeah. in each. Pie, yeah. if I can mix all the metaphors. You got yeah. four feet and four pies. Sure. How about that? And and kind of like we did Radiohead being influenced by the Pixies, these guys, mm-hmm. but doesn't don't necessarily sound like them. Sure. You know? Um, these guys have a bunch of influences that they're getting inspired by and seeing live and come through Manchester and being able to drive out to the different shows. And then they're like, well, we want to do something. Well, we're only capable kind of pulling, and I don't want to say only capable, but like, yeah. this is what I can kind of do. They you talked about, you know, writing letters on the bass neck so he knew what the <laughs> F was, and Bernard would call it out and be like, no, we're fucking on F, and he'd have to be like, okay, I, I'm here. Um, At the cheat sheet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that, so it took a little bit of orchestration. Like, y- you could imagine Ian Curtis just being like, you guys are no good. You know, and I'll you find somebody imagine, else or whatever. But like, yeah, but you could also imagine the band turn around going, bro. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So they're just like, which, they're stuck with each other. Which is a funny Doors parallel if you like the movie. Well, know? I don't think they ever like, felt stuck with each other. I just literally think it was like a gang, like all for one, one yes, for all. Yes. And lean, like, I'm going to lean on you. Where you're going to lean on me. And if we all do we this, get fucking, our heads in the mud. Yeah. we If we do this for real, that's. That's how we can, that's the only way we can do this. And so they, you know, call that a little bit of magic because you don't know in that combination of of four members in this band, you don't really know where the inspirations and who's influenced this or that. It's way more um, like fluid, you know, it's raw, it's embryonic almost. Um, Yeah, yeah, man. I, 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 I tell you, I, mean, I got a huge ew. appreciation. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Embryonic, by the way, is one of his, like Eric Avery's, uh, you know, publishing company. Really? Whatever. That sounded really true. Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> well, the Polar Bear Records came out on that. Oh, you want to know? Eric Avery, <laughs> drink, because obviously, huge Joy Division fan. Okay, huge right? Wow, yeah. Peter fan. Um, because, oh. yeah. And that was that coming back around again, yeah. you know? I wasn't thinking about it. Yes, but yes, he is like totally like the spiritual descendant of Peter Hook. Yeah. When when Britain threw this over, it took, you know, uh, what, 80, it took it took about four years 
five, well, it was called six years before young Eric Avery got into a band and was like, I'm doing that shit. I'm doing the hook thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get Perry Farrell, who obviously is inspired by Susie and the Banshees. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, I'm doing this thing. And it was, it's, you know, Dave, a little bit of speed metal coming. Now he's got the extra, the next gen chops. Um, You're connecting all the the, the yarn strings here on the uh, beautiful mind board. Uh, yes, uh, that that is directly like post punk 1979 to Jane's Addiction 1989 to yeah. which would then get goes into Nirvana Soundgarden, yeah. which is you know Pearl Jam. Wow, I just keep Dude, pulling this thread. You want to talk about band camaraderie? How is Pearl Jam and Joy Division not not synonymous? <laughs> because it's that band you know like you this go old do this tired cliche <laughs> who hasn't said that <laughs> but i mean they even had a poster of them giving high fives it's a team member that's band. true unless you're the drummer <laughs> exactly. well obviously we noticed that somebody does have to go in that dynamic yes Ooh, when you that go rim Jesus. Oh, it gets grimmer. We're going to play The Eternal next. Oh, boy. Uh, new ground for them, for sure. Uh, this is where I think they get their goth uh, bona fides. Yeah. Is this, I mean, you look at the album artwork for this uh, for this album. And, of course, it was picked out before the, the terrible events. But it, it's it's a statue at like a, a mausoleum. It's a tomb. Grim. Yeah. Grim. Here we're talking. He's talking about death. Once, not for the first time on this album, but maybe the most explicitly on this album so far. Yeah. And new sonic territory for them. Sprinkler sounds on. <laughs> that is when the sprinklers come on at like three in the morning. Martin just nailing that low end, dude. Sounds like it's off a different album. Like as far as production was. Sits a little closer to that song Atmosphere that isn't on an album either. It's on a single. This is where they were going. Extra bonus points. Check out um, the. Uh... Like, you think funerals sad? <laughs> you know what's sadder than funerals? When the cars drive away and everybody leaves. Right? 
That's the saddest part of the funeral. <laughs> the end of the funeral. Get it? Yes. The death of a funeral. There's a Mother Love Bone song called Man of Golden Words that nails this vibe pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, it was yeah, it's definitely some moody kids in that band. Try to cry out in the heat of the moment. Possessed by a fury that burns from inside What is different about this between like what Gary Newman was doing this year and what these guys are doing here because one of them is just hitting a little different don't think these guys wanted to feature the synthesizer as a new instrument. I think they appreciated it as a new sound, but didn't necessarily rely on it. Mm-hmm. Is that like seasoning? I don't know. That was right out of the gate, dude. That was right <laughs> off the dome. I feel like it was a safe answer. There's something here know, that man. is just, and maybe I got to give some of that up to Martin Hannett and his production, but there's. This didn't exist. This sound didn't exist before this record came out right here. No. And this he's, particular he's, sound they're doing. And they're doing this slow tempo so you can bathe in this new technique that Martin figured mm. out. This new fucking bass-centric oh, sound. Oh, shit. There's like at least three Deftone songs I can link to this 100%. right here. 100%. Yeah. And the dialing in of this mid to low end because of speaker tech, you know, tech and recording tech. Oh, that's that's happening right now. This guy's pioneering some of that shit right now. Yeah, uh, they hadn't figured out the home stereo system exactly uh, no, by 1980. But it's coming together. It's like digital photography, where it's like we don't have it yet, but it's good. We're, but we're all going this route because this shit is coming together, and it's just a matter of time. Like hi-fi's are being assembled. They always have been, but they're really like. <laughs> You know, how far away are we from the whole term subwoofer? Well, yeah. I think if you look at these... that right now. I mean, maybe in, in secret studios in the Pentagon. These Japanese Sansui's hanging from the uh, ceiling here. These are about circa 1979, 80. you got these Sansui's here. Joy Division sounds great on them. Right? <laughs> so it's like, it, it's right in line where, where mixing and tech is, are, they're synced up. Yeah. Like if we're and it's and Martin's innovating. Yeah, he's exploring the, the space. Crazy, the crazy he's got these fucker young guys who had an like, idea. If it sounds good, it's good. They totally think that. Like Alex Van Halen. Did, that, a young Trent Reznor. Yeah, fucking right. being like, where my crown of shit? Right. He, Trent. Reznor took this song <laughs> and made a career. He did the great cover of uh, Dead Souls for the Crow soundtrack. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which now the Crow soundtrack owes more to 1979 than I think we knew. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's a, it's that, that come around again. It actually didn't take too long to see the influence of bands from 1980 hit into 86 in underground you know scenes and back clubs in LA and stuff and then 92 gigantic and it was like um it's 
it succumbed to the keyboard almost. Maybe, you know, that new tool that Jeannie got out of the bottle. Yeah. Um, and so I think we're appreciating it on some of these where Gary Newman, uh, you know, went fucking full dive into it and was, I'm going to explore this shit. It shows up in Eddie Van Halen and, you know, 80, you know, early 80s or so. He's throwing some some tunes with uh, with the keyboard. These guys are starting to flirt with it. It's It's out. But it's not overplayed yet, so it, they physically haven't overplayed it yet. <laughs> right, it's still pretty novel and new. Yeah. Still don't come with instruction manuals. Like, everyone's still, there's no presets. They're fr- afraid or if they to have touch instruction it, manuals, Yeah, they don't want there's, there's no, like, can I dial up that uh, Bowie sound? No. Yeah. You got a bunch of knobs and faders. Good luck. It's like getting into a boat when you want to start it. You're like, all right, it's, uh, which, uh, what do I flip that does nothing that makes sure that something's going to do something? Mm-hmm. You, like the Millennium Falcon. You're like, you can't just jump into the Millennium Falcon and be like, so where do I put the key? Yeah. Put it in drive, Chewy. Yeah. How do we, which is. Nobody up- wants your drugs here, Chewy. <laughs> Let's wrap this record up, all right. Chris. God, this seems like. The journey to get here has been yeah. so long. It did almost this entire ten years plus that we've been doing this podcast. Just reading to this very <laughs> to this very episode. I don't want to see it go. This has been a lot of pathways leading to Joy Division. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I uh, taking a swing at it, and um, and I'm coming from Joy Division was always. A conversation somewhere in some party it was played i'd get a couple songs here and there i never got into it into joy division never researched them until maybe uh you know like a few years ago hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> confessions mm-hmm. with jared and chris wow. um so so i don't I, like I'm seeing it as how many echoes this band has through everything that I, you know, obviously nothing. There's call it no original thought. Maybe I, if right. I could finish a thought, that'd yeah. be great. I'm, I'm I'm backlogging it, and it's coming down to Joy Division. Yeah, you're having the journey I had last week with okay. the Banshees. Okay, I relate. I, I totally did not when they uh, were give them the one, space they deserved. One set of footprints. That's when was Susie you, was carrying you. That's when Susie was carrying me, and you were carrying me. I've enjoyed this uh, this little trek through uh, post punk slash new wave. Yeah, um, but we got to do something a little more upbeat next week. I think we should <laughs> just just a little bit. I think a little sorbet. You know, yeah, because I almost got the bends because we came right off of Whitney Houston into this shit, and uh, it's kind of oh. been Downersville All ever right. since. Okay. So there's maybe there's a reason for this this slingshot that I'm kind of feeling. It was with, Amy with Winehouse, the, right? Susie and the Banshees, uh, whatever else we did. Uh, my memory is like a goldfish. And we've been just listening to this music. And, oh yeah, and pondering, Jared. I, you know what? Living I, with it. I gotta say, in in some ways, this podcast has an effect on me. I didn't actually, I didn't tie anything to that. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. It's it's the macro of the Robin. We did it to ourselves. <laughs> I can't believe it. We, you know, there was some there was some heavy uh, some heavy moments in there. I'm just thinking about the Cheers episode. <laughs> <where you're> talk- 
I was just thinking about <laughs> Cheers soundtrack coming in. Making a way. I was going to go into an 80s fucking TV sitcom wrap up. That's kind of what's starting to inform my, my sonic library in some of these points. Fucking, that's a good hook. That's a good hook. These guys, no hooks. Shut up. Only hook. <laughs> then one Shana Nas. Yeah. We're not going to kill you, guys. Shana Nas. Oh on my radar, 1980. Yes. Oh, for sure, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. This is uh, going to be a long episode, and I would apologize, but I'm not sorry. So there. Yeah. But yeah. this is the yeah. last song yeah. on the last Joy Division album. Let's deal with that. Decades, it's, it's called. No, I just wanted to step on your fucking hook. Your what is it? What do they call the post? Jared, <laughs> cut that shit out. At some point, make me just make me look cool. <laughs> just make us look cool. I is it too make, hard to make us look cool? I always make us look cool, Chris. You fucking kill it. You're killing it on this one. I'm stepping all over you. The last song on the last Joy Division album, decades. He's kicking the trash can in the control room there. Yeah, playing the sounds. Hear that? This is remastered. Oh, yeah. Yes. Did I fail to mention this is the... Hold on. This is the 40th <laughs> anniversary edition, 2020, because it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's 41 years old now. But yes, it has been remastered. Did you feel that in the uh, the kick drum a little bit? <laughs> I, I felt that, dude. It sounds so good. This had enough room to get remastered without fucking it up. It, it makes it better. It yeah. makes it like they wish they, that it sounded or they would do it if they could make that clean of a sound at that time to record it. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Just like you're going to sprinkle in keyboard, you're going to because it's a new technology. An artist is going to use that new technology. Stevie Wonder wanted to hear his stuff on 4K, and he never got to, which is a shame. There's still a chance, right? Charles Grodin passed away today. Today, same day as Ian Curtis. No shit. Forty-one years apart. Wow. They're together now. They're you know. It's a good band up in heaven. There's a, there's some good shows. They didn't have to shut down due to COVID. Hell no. Uh uh-uh. uh. They've been jamming. Are you serious, Charles Grodin? Yeah. Okay. Today, I'm sorry to bum you out. Yeah, that's right. No, this is kind of a bummer. But bummer this is of a, a bummer you know. episode. So just yeah. I want everyone to reflect on that while I play the last song. Okay. For this album. Uh, and I also think um, that you should. Uh, it's I think it's all right to talk about it too because he's singing about his fucking some of these issues he's singing about some things that he's struggling with mm-hmm. and i you know it's important oh my god jared save me <laughs> i know what you're trying to you know say what I, you know i was gonna I know I was where just, you're I going just was speaking too long it's just that we make funny ha 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 jokes all through this record but this is like kind of like a really disturbing like time yeah. capsule of somebody's really like hell on earth and basically the reason we all identify with it is because he wasn't the only one everyone has their moments 
for him it was a lot okay maybe we all don't get that portion of a lot that he got but everyone can relate to it because we've all kind of just stood stared into the void yes. if you will yes. and the void stared back and and we blinked you know right so that's kind of in a nutshell, why the guy can't sing, but he's still one of my favorite singers. It's just because of what he managed to put out there on Front Street for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Was just kind of light years ahead of a lot of folks. And uh, if you or someone you know is going through some bullshit, I don't have a number, but fucking talk to somebody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well said, man. Okay. That's what I was. We're gonna talk about more shit after this song. So <laughs> seems like we're signing off, but uh, decades. Kind of like spirits in the material world, the police. Yeah, pop a little bit of this. Save some, save some of his best singing for the last track. somewhere oh totally but you could just zone out to this <laughs> i was you're sitting oh. on a beanbag chair um, in my mind this has been uh you want to talk about new wave it's a very quintessential new wave moment happening right here before our ears the james bond chord and everything It just. Oh, he's still questioning. That's the thing. He, he doesn't. He never does the the real resolve of like. Right. Oh, and then he figured it out. It's right. like, and that's why the song keeps going on. <laughs> I have not found them. Is the answer? No. <laughs> um, do you think? Do you think it's dangerous for young? kids to listen to something mm. to listen to this album to even interpret this album 
And this is a loaded question, by the way, and I, so I'm going to keep stacking it on. <laughs> well, you didn't just um, see my head roll back. Yeah, totally. And, like, stare at the ceiling totally. while you asked. But like, I'm at, you know, and empathize with the album, mm-hmm. lose themselves in in uh, in uh, uh, this dimension of emotion or this vein of wicked carrot that's growing underground as a taproot. <laughs> Which arm of the wicked carrot root is yeah, this motherfucker? Is that redundant, one. by the way? To say? Arm of the wicked carrot root? Car- the, the, I think the, that's the name of the your first solo album, is the arm of the wicked carrot root. It's going to be <laughs> prog as shit, but I mean, if yeah. you still let me it's produce a, it. It's mostly influenced by early Collins. I mean, some people call it Genesis. I call it Collins. <laughs> Wait a minute. Here's the uh, to record water only for 10 days moment. For all the John Frusciani yeah, heads John. out there. <laughs> he was listening. I think he recorded his in a bathroom. <laughs> yeah, he had a on recorder. a digital 8-track. Yeah. His dentures were whistling. It's a good thing, you know. There's just another tendril of influence right there. For sure, that trickled into straight the into one of the peppers. biggest bands in the world. Yeah, just like you two were huge fans of these guys. Yes, like these guys would inspire some of the greats with their twenty-three-year-old trying exuberance, <laughs> dedication to it, yeah. to to leaning on each other, trusting in their development. And hearing the results, they they knew they sounded. They finished this. They knew they sounded good. Yeah. And it's like, like after you hit the weights for like a good solid month, and you kind of like look in the mirror, you're like, oh, oh it's yeah, working. Oh, it's fucking working. Look at that. Um, which is, uh, you know, if you which I haven't done in like 25 years. Yeah, but you way. remember the feeling. <laughs> I mean, they haven't recorded an album, and I don't yeah. know how long. But you, re- um, you remember the feeling. I think I think that was a lyric. Mm-hmm. More than a feeling. <laughs> oh, <laughs> mm. let's ride the final notes of this record out with them. how it all comes to an end not with a bang but with a whimper but while we're while that's still fresh in your ears i have to play you something we're talking about the influence or just straight up people who rip off (laughs) things uh the band we have not brought up yet tonight uh but my morning jacket and they're uh oh god it's uh like 2006 or yeah, that sounds 2008, maybe. Okay. They yeah, put yeah. out uh, a song called Touch Me, I'm Going to Scream, part two. The part one is earlier on the record, but part two. Same is, album, though. Yes, is what I'm... I was, pardon this real quick.
That's how they get away. Don't, with he it. doesn't drop it at least no. once. They don't do the James Bond chords. They don't. Okay, because that's what I'm waiting for. Yeah. I'm conditioned to wait for yeah. that. Yeah. Well, that's just it, it, obnoxious then. <laughs> right. But I mean, in in the in the column of blatant is where we'll throw that one. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm just mad because they thought of it before I did. I mean, believe me, I'm, I've been Dude. ripping them off for years. Nobody's. You, you, you've, you know what? If, if, uh, if you were a great white shark and <laughs> Joy Division is a bloated uh, carcass of a whale, you've taken enough bites. <laughs> you and I both have taken we've enough said. bites. We've even had joined together jams. That we're we've dined inspired. out together. We've dined out together on we've, this carcass. We have dined on this carcass together, my friend. So many times. And gloriously so. Just, I mean, for us, the way I felt yep. playing, it was like yeah, their approach to playing, if you want to get into music, is kind of your first gateway into it. And they, um, they really did a good job of busting it open. Just... They just kept making that that breakwater that that breach wider and wider. It's like losing the battle at Helms, you know, <laughs> Helms you know, Deep, Helms Deep, Balls Deep. You know when you saying? lost the battle of Balls Deep, yeah, we, <laughs> they just kept going and going. Um, what you had to do, right? You did what you, what you had, had to, to do. do. That's right. Absolutely. Um, yeah, where was I going with that? Balls I deep, I was Balls going deep. with that. That was a trick question. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's how it all ends. And then, like, you just don't catch up with them again until their new order. Yeah. And they're more popular than they ever were. It's like, shit. It's like if you were, like, the drummer for, like, say, like, Nirvana. Mm-hmm. And then, like, your lead you singer dies. Yeah. But then you hmm. decide you're just going to start a new band. You d- okay, and it's new like band, you get even say. more famous. Mm-hmm. And maybe the work isn't as consistent. But you got some good singles here and there. Also, if you got a library of work, the longer you have a yeah. library. the the but <laughs> Reggie Jackson struck out a lot. I'm just saying it, they pulled off something pretty rare. Yeah. In the music biz. Yeah, for sure. And uh, good on them for that. They had it. Maybe we'll do someday down the road, we'll do uh, New Order's second album. How does that work out? What's the. What's the, yeah, what's the ruling on that? Yeah, what's the ruling on that? What's the new name? On that one? <laughs> new game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. All right. Um. Do you know? <laughs> it seems almost anticlimactic to come to the end of this record. Yeah. Like there's a long yellow brick road that led here. Yeah. And we came, we listened, we reckoned. You know what I'm what I'm finding with with new wave, with the development. Uh, the, the recent recent developments, new things coming to light, and new just shit has come to light. Just yeah. me emotionally trying to, you know, make what is kind of new that, but it feels old. 
yeah, you know, like yeah. a dream state or some sort of weird time warp. But fits into your mid-40s life just like a glove? We, absolutely, absolutely. But we, <laughs> I, honestly, I don't think we're going to find the end of this fucking brick road on this episode. Not the next episode. Smoke weed every day.